Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Hey everybody, welcome into the BS and Buffs podcast presented by Canyon Bakehouse. As always, I'm your host, Henry Chisholm, and we have a special guest here today. Uh, Lynn Harrington of stayaliveandpower5.com is joining us. And before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about the delicious certified gluten-free breads, bagels, English muffins, and other baked goods that are made right here in Johnstown, Colorado. Canyon Bakehouse's gluten, dairy, nut, and soy-free products make it easy for families to enjoy the taste and texture of fresh bread so everyone can love bread again. Find them at any major grocery store in the freezer or fresh bread aisle or purchase online and visit canyonglutenfree.com to grab a coupon. All right, like I said, we have Lynn Harrington with us from stayaliveandpower5.com. Really excited for you guys to get to meet him. Uh, He knows a whole bunch about college football. He runs his own site. He covers all the Power 5 schools. He's a grinder. Uh, How's it going, Lynn? It's going all right, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, of course. Uh, So today, we want to start by talking a little bit about the Colorado-Arizona State matchup uh, that's this Saturday, Saturday night in Tempe, Arizona. And then we'll move on to get into some more broad Pac-12 talk in the second segment. Um, To get this started, you know, I've I've obviously spent a lot of time talking about Colorado football, but it's always interesting to hear an outside perspective on what is going on or what the national opinion is, the outsider opinion of Colorado football is. So what, what do you see in this Colorado team, Lynn? Well... There's something there under Mel Tucker that was never there during Mike McIntyre's tenure. You can see the physicality of the Colorado football team on both sides of the ball and in the trenches. Um, That have showed, you know, in these three rivalry games they started off with, you know, um, they smashed Colorado State, you know, rallied back and beat Nebraska. And unfortunately, they came up short, you know, in overtime against Air Force. But nonetheless, you got to tip your hat to the Mountain West Conference. I mean, they've been dominating Pac-12 teams throughout the 2019 season thus far, you know. Um, yeah, they really have. It's been a surprise. Like, y- you hear about that kind of stuff potentially happening. It seems like all offseason we were talking about how the Pac-12 could just come out. You know, Oregon beats Auburn, Colorado beats Nebraska, a couple of these other games. And all of a sudden, the Pac-12 could be seen as another dominant power five conference like there was a path that they just win those games but it didn't happen and now we're just in the spot again like 
you know, from the outside, does it does it seem to you like there's any shot that a, a Pac-12 team could make it to the college football playoff, or is that just kind of out, like, just not possible at this point? Because that's kind of what it feels like. Yeah. Well, when you look at Washington, I mean, everyone is expecting them to rebuild this year. Washington State, mm-hmm. I mean, they're undefeated, but they haven't played anyone with the pulse in their non-conference, you know? Exactly. Um, they, they did have a deep run last year into the um, late into the season, you know, but slipped up a couple of times late in the season. But they were um, there. Stanford has been a big disappointment. Um, it's just USC is down. Utah right now is giving the conference mouth to mouth, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, seriously. They're like That's all top that they 10 have. team, dominant defense, you know. You're going to need either Utah or Washington State to run the table for the Pac-12 to have a legitimate shot at making a playoff after being, you know, left out for the past two years. So, Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I, I feel the same way. And when you look at it, it's just so tough to see like when you're watching Alabama, when you're watching Clemson, when you're watching Georgia, like these Pac-12 schools, just none of them make you think, oh, this is a team that could actually win against one of those teams, you know, that just aren't no, there. Not at all. You know, just uh, maybe it's just the change in the caliber of athletes, you know, from teams like, you know, Alabama, Clemson. I mean, the kind of recruits they get versus like, the West coast recruits, you know, not saying there's not a a lot of talent on the West coast, you know, especially out of California, but it's just different caliber athletes. When you go down South, you go to the speed state like Florida, or you go to the Georgias, you know, Louisiana's and the Texas teams, you know, it's, that's just what it is right now, you know, and that's why there's been such a big shift in the power in college football. Yeah, and and that's what we see here, and that's why I think a lot of people in Boulder were so excited when the Buffs hired Mel Tucker, somebody who has right. ties to obviously Georgia, Alabama, where some of these, you know, higher quality recruits that are coming out right now are from, and we've already seen a couple of commitments from guys who are from that area, guys who wouldn't be coming to Colorado if Mel was not the head coach. Right. Okay. You know, we kind of got I mean, a little. Go ahead. Go ahead, sorry. Oh, we, we got a little bit off topic there. Uh, but let's bring it back in to this weekend, Colorado, Arizona State. Um, let's keep going with your Colorado take. So you you came up here for uh, the Nebraska Colorado game, Buffaloes yes. football media day as well right. as that Nebraska game. You know, Correct. Was there anything that really surprised you on either of your trips up to Boulder? Well, it was just that how everyone's buying into what – Mel Tucker is trying to establish and how he's trying to change the culture of the program. Um, the players definitely seem enthusiastic about, you know, playing for him. And that's what you will want as a coach. I mean, you want your players to listen to you. I mean, you tell them something to do, they want through a wall for you, you know, um, that's yeah. what will start to establish the winning mentality. And I think like he got off to a good start, you know, they had three straight rivalry games. They won two of them. It, yet, like I said, they lost a, overtime game to air force you know but that was close you know like versus last year when they were on the seven game losing streak and just seemed like they were giving up on some games and you know but then there were some games that was close but with tucker 
I think they're going to be like in every single game, you know, um, everything's going to be a dogfight. You know, that's what I've seen so far, you know, and you got, like I said, you got to give credit to Air Force, you know, the triple option, the triple option they operate out of. It, it's hard to prepare for on a one week basis. So I don't think Colorado should the players should be hanging their heads low, you know, just from that loss. You know, they still have everything to play for this season, you know, and this Saturday will be both teams conference openers, you know, so it's big for both programs, you know, and I wanted to give a, you know, shout out to the Buffalo's defense. I mean, they have held their opponents scoreless, you know, for the last two games in the second quarter. So, I mean, there's definitely some potential there, you know? Yeah. It's just the big plays that keep causing problems. Like you see them pull the turnovers. You see them play that suffocating style of defense where they don't let them get downfield until all of a sudden there's one big play and it just ruins everything they're working for. I know that that's been something that's been frustrating for Mel Tucker, something that he's had meetings with the defensive backs about, like trying to figure out where are those coming from? How do you cut down on those? And that's tough with a new scheme and a bunch of 20-year-old kids who almost know what they're doing but just make those little mistakes. Um, let's move on to Arizona State because right. we haven't been able to talk too much about Arizona State uh, so far this week on the podcast. Been busy with other stuff. Uh-huh. What do what do Buff fans need to know about Sun Devils? All right. Well, first off, you know the Sun Devils—they're three and zero for the first time since 2016. Um, Arizona State—they haven't you know been ranked in the AP Top 25 since September of last year. But after beating a ranked uh-huh. Michigan State team on the road, it catapulted them up to number 24 in the rankings. It was also the first time the Sun Devils beat a ranked team on the road since 2015. Um, Arizona State Athletic Director Ray Anderson, he took a risk in hiring Herm Edwards last season, you know, and everybody gave him a lot of heat because Edwards had been out the collegiate ranks for quite some time. But in hindsight right now, I mean, it looked like it was definitely a good hire. Um, Arizona State has actually won seven of its last nine games overall against Power 5 competition. That's a statement in itself. But the biggest surprise to me has been the Sun Devils' defense. You know, they're just allowing seven points per game and has yet to allow an opponent to score in the first half. That's pretty impressive. Remember, this was the unit that finished 70th nationally in total defense last season. You know, um, on offense, their true freshman quarterback, Jaden Daniels, he has been pretty impressive looking and playing like a seasoned veteran in the pocket. I mean, he's good at protecting the ball, no turnovers. You know, he has 728 pass yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. That's pretty good. And if you know about their running back, you know, Benjamin, he's arguably one of the most productive running backs in the country. I mean, he has 10 career 100 yard games and he can catch the ball out of the backfield. The guy is very dangerous in space. Um, their senior wide receiver, Brandon Ayuk, he's a legitimate deep threat. I mean, through three games already, he has 14 receptions, 302 yards, and a touchdown catch, you know? So, I mean, definitely this is this is going to be a challenge for the Buffalo's defense, you know, going against this Arizona State offense. It is, and it's been kind of interesting watching the Arizona State offense, not just because they have the true freshman quarterback who's He's been a blast to watch. He's played really well. He's blown all of my expectations away. But their offensive line really took a step back this year. And so the way they're using Eno Benjamin isn't the same as it was last year. You know, 
it's it seems like he's fighting just to get past the line of scrimmage. Like he's making guys miss in the backfield so that he can gain three, four yards, whatever he can pull out of a play. Whereas right. in the past, he's making those moves downfield, turning whatever a, a four yard gain into a ten yard gain. Now he's turning a loss of yards into getting back to the line of scrimmage. It's been kind of tough to watch, and one of the ways that they've really gotten around that uh, problem that is the offensive line is just getting him the ball in the passing game more. Some of his biggest plays have been when they've been able to throw the ball to him in the flat or even a little bit downfield, and he makes something happen in space because he really hasn't had much room to work with. It is what it is, you know. But this should help him also just become – more of a complete running back because to be a complete running back, you got to be able to run the ball. You got to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield. You got to be able to move from sideline to sideline in between the tackles as well as block. So, I mean, I think this is probably helping him out more in the long run, you know, as far as like his draft status and everything, what he wants to do, you know, after that. Um, Here's one thing to note though, you know, (laughs) Arizona state has won four straight games at home and also have won four straight over Colorado and outscored the Buffaloes 191 to 80 during that span. You know, um, they're seven and a half point favorites, you know, coming into this game. And it's, I mean, I see like this definitely being like an offensive shootout somewhere 34, 31 range. And the team with the least turnovers I see is the one that would come out victorious. Yeah, I think that makes sense because this the Arizona State offense even Arizona as a whole has just been so difficult to gauge this year because they they obviously beat Michigan State you know Michigan State missed a couple field goals early missed the one at the end that could have sent the game to overtime but it, it none of that really matters Arizona State got the win against a ranked football team but the week before they play a team from the Big Sky Conference and only mm-hmm. put up three points in the first half you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's just, I guess maybe that's just what happens when you're playing a, a rookie quarterback. Like, you don't know what to expect. But it just makes it so hard to predict what's going to happen in this game when you don't know. You know, maybe maybe Jaden Daniels goes off and the Arizona State defense lives up to the hype, keeps keeps on doing what it's been doing, and Arizona State just blows out the buffs at home. Or I could see yeah. it going the other way. It's right. I don't know. It's I, I just, still don't know who I'm picking in this one. Yeah, uh, Arizona State can't afford to get off to no slow start, you know. And I see that this can definitely be a measuring stick game for both teams, you know. Um, I mean, it's still early in the season, so we're still filling teams out, you know. But Arizona State has a tendency of playing down to its competition. So I wouldn't, you know, jump to any, you know, conclusions just for them struggling, you know, with, you know, inferior opponents. So, but this huh. game definitely yeah. will have everyone's attention, you know, so. Yeah, seriously, it will. It's going to be a huge measuring stick game for Colorado just because, you know, they beat Nebraska, but we don't really know what that Nebraska team is. You know, right. they, they lose to Air Force, but a lot of good teams struggle defending the triple option. Plus that Air Force team is a lot better than I think outsiders giving it credit for. The Arizona State defense, though, has been so much fun to watch. They have the playmakers, they have the pass rush, 
I think my favorite part is that they just have all these exotic looks, all these exotic formations. They blitz unpredictably. You know, they, they run a lot of that double A gap uh, type stuff that we've seen more and more of in the NFL, you know, starting with the Broncos, the Super Bowl year, and kind of moving around the league, growing in popularity from there. You know, the Vikings were huge with it a couple years ago because you just don't know where the pressure is coming from. And for a Montana offensive line that is really, or not Montana, uh, Colorado offensive line that's really struggled, picking up those creative blitzes is is something that I'm really concerned about. Right. But, you know, that's what you have a veteran senior quarterback for, you know. Steven Montez, uh, he should be able to identify, you know, some of those defensive formations, you know, that's what comes from over two years of starting experience, you know, helps you at, you know, um, like he has played solid, you know, um, I give a lot of props to Steven Montez, you know, um, he has, you know, 827 yards on the season, six touchdowns, two interceptions, you know, he's been pretty good with his decision-making, you know, uh, LaVisca Chenault and Katie Nixon, I mean, they're like a dynamic duo at wide receiver, you know. Each game, I think, Colorado's offense have had, like, a receiver with over 100 yards through the air, you know. Um, the the chemistry's there, you know. What I'm just worried about is the Buffalo's rushing attack. Um, I don't know how much success they will have against, you know, uh, active and pretty stingy Arizona State defensive front seven. You see what I'm saying? So, um, but like I said, I could see that, you know, I like what I've been seeing out of defensive end Mustafa Johnson and Nate Landman, you know, um, I think they have the potential to get at the quarterback, you know, um, and, you know, confuse the quarterback a little bit and, you know, rattle them and make some mistakes. So there's, there's potential there for both sides to have some success. There really is. It's, it's a game that I'm really excited for. First Pac-12 game of the season, obviously. Um, Saturday night, I think it's an 8 p.m. kickoff Mountain Time on Pac-12 Network. Um, wow. Before we move along to talk more about the Pac-12 as a whole, instead of just this one individual matchup, uh, I want to take a second and acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of BSN Denver. Uh, you guys out there know... Uh, how much we at BSN Denver love Breckenridge beer. I actually just bought another six-pack of the Colorado Sky. And so, Lynn, I'm kind of wondering, have you ever tried a uh, Breckenridge Brewery beer? I have not. <laughs> you, know, you haven't? We'll be recommending a try all year, definitely. <laughs> yeah, so what you're going to do when we get off the phone is get on uh, BreckenridgeBrewery.com, go to their beer locator where you can search for whatever beer you want to try and it'll tell you what the nearest location is it's a pretty cool feature i heard that i'll get right on that definitely <laughs> all right we are back in for the second segment of the wednesday edition of the bsn buffs podcast we are joined by lynn harrington of stay alive and power com. if you guys are feeling like you've you need more buffs coverage like You've, you've gone everywhere you can to find some. Definitely check out Lynn's work. Like I said earlier, he uh, he was up at Pac-12, or not Pac-12 Media Day, Buffs Media Day in Boulder. He got a chance to talk to some of the guys. He was there for Colorado, Nebraska. Um, Lynn, do you have a piece of yours 
that you suggest buff fans uh, should check out on the website? Uh, all they will have to do is just go to you know the website and just click on Colorado and then all the team um, articles I've done over the past three months like will show up there. Good features, in-depth, you know, feature articles on the players. You know, there's a good one on Steven Montez, got one on Nate Landman. The one I did on Nate Landman, a lot, it got like a lot of feedback. A lot of people didn't know that he was from Zimbabwe, Africa, you know, uh, they were surprised yeah. to hear that, you know? So, I mean, that was just a big thing. And, you know, just the, all the tragedy that went on with where Steven Montez is from in El Paso, you know, um, that like had like, you know, a lot of exposure and, um, you know, it was good to hear from Steven Montez's point of view on everything that, how it affected him back home, you know? So that was definitely good piece that I put out there. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And I've been following along with a lot of Lynn's work, specifically, specifically the buff stuff. And, uh, definitely recommend you guys check that out. Um, now though, it's time to talk about what's going on around the PAC 12. You know, three weeks in, there there were a couple. There was one week zero game in the Pac-12, so they're four weeks in, but it doesn't really matter. Um, right. There have been some surprises. What has kind of caught you off guard uh, from the Pac-12 so far? I will probably have to say, just Californian Justin Wilcox. Um, I knew that they had potential to be a great team heading into the season. You know, hands down, like the Golden Bears have like one of the best defensive, you know, units in all of the Pac-12. Um, Wilcox, though, he's just doing a magnificent job turning that program around. It just seems leaps and bounds years ahead of where it was under his predecessor, Sonny Dykes. You know, the team has an identity. Uh, the defense is only allowing 16.3 points per game. You know, the team is ranked for the first time since September of 2018 at number 24. Um the Golden Bears are one of four ranked teams from the North Division and the only Pac-12 team to beat Washington each year over the last two seasons. So that that's pretty impressive. Um, I'm really, really like not surprised by what Mike Leach is doing with Washington State. I mean, they're number 19 in the AP, you know, at 3-0. and um, Leach has Washington State 3-0 and for the third straight year. He just keeps his air rate offense rolling, you know, averaging 49 points per game. That's like video game numbers. I mean, it doesn't even matter who the quarterback is, whether it's Luke Falk, Gardner Minshew, this senior Anthony Gordon. I mean, he's really doing good. It it's almost seems like it's just a plug-and-play offense. I mean, I'm not saying that Leach's signal callers are system quarterbacks either, you know, but this kid, Gordon, I mean, he has thrown for 884 yards, nine touchdowns, one interception. He has a plethora of receivers to throw to. Um, the, the defense and playing solid, you know, with the former Minnesota coach, Tracy Clays, you know. Um, the only knock I have on Washington State is just they haven't played anyone with the post, like I said, in the non-conference, which has been a trend for the program for the past few years, you know, and that might turn out to hurt them in the long run. If they do make a serious run at the playoff, you know, uh, the committee will start, you know, knocking them off just because of, you know, their week schedule. Um, yeah. But far it's, it's as like, crazy. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, it's, go all good. It's, it's crazy now. Like 
for so long, it seems like everybody just called the air raid a gimmick offense. You know, it was something that was going to be like a fad, a couple guys run it, whatever. But specifically in the NFL, nobody thought that it would really catch on. And now you're starting to see some NFL teams run quasi air raid offenses, which is pretty cool. You know, Luke Falk right. and Gardner Minshew, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. they're both going to be starting games in the NFL this week. I, th- I think I right. saw this morning like nine air raid quarterbacks are going to be starting in the NFL this weekend. Patrick it's just Mahomes. crazy to see how. It, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Patrick uh, Mahomes, Baker Mayfield, Kyle right. Murray, like so Murray? many of these big name guys are coming out of the system now. Right. It's showing it works, you know, I mean, and now like, as you, as you can see, the, the NFL is kind of moving more to like a passing attack. And I think that's why the Arizona Cardinals hired, you know, um, a former Texas Tech coach. So it's, it is what it is, you know, like it, it definitely has success in today's game. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, it's been kind of fun to watch that transition because, you know, uh, one of the reasons people have said college football is more fun to watch than the NFL is because, whether they know it or not, because of that air raid, because of the way everybody's just throwing the ball around. You know, every play you're going, maybe not downfield, but you're putting the ball up in the air where there's a chance that anything can happen. It just makes the game so exciting going with four receivers and you see teams in the NFL, like the chiefs have success with it. Uh, something similar. I mean, it's that Andy Reed West coast, but there are definitely some air raid type schemes and ideas, concepts that they're running. Same thing out in uh, LA with, uh, with uh, Sean McVay and Jared Goff. And then those speedy right. receivers, it's so mm-hmm. much fun to watch and it's translating to the NFL, which is pretty cool. Right. We can go over um, – there's, like, some disappointment <laughs> so far for some Pac-12 teams. Yeah, there really season. are. Oh, man. Uh, I don't even know how uglier it can get for UCLA and Chip Kelly, you know, but the Bruins have not showed any improvement in year two under Kelly. And I don't know. i just starting to think, like, the coaching staff nor the players are buying in. It just seems that Kelly might have lost his touch ever since he left. Oregon, you know, like it just hasn't been the it, it same. Like I mean, it. he had like a good run, like a good couple years in uh with the Philadelphia Eagles, but man, like how far has it come? You know, it's I don't know. I don't know what to expect. I, all I know is if it continues, I don't know if he'll be able to survive the season. As far as Clay Helton with USC, oh man, yeah. this has been a train wreck, you know. You, I mean, first of all, you lose your starting quarterback for the year in JT Daniels. Then your athletic director, Lynn Swan, resigns, you know. I mean, is the writing on the wall for Clay Helton? I mean, is his days numbered as USC's coach, you know? so I don't know. I mean, the crazy thing is it, it looked that way. You know, they bring in the air raid. They're trying all this new stuff. It looked like this last-ditch attempt to keep the coaching staff there. You know, they have the talent. They should be winning more football games. And then all this stuff with Lynn Swans going on, it's just weird. And it seems like it should be over. But then they have the true freshman step in for JT Daniels and put up 42 right. points. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. you're just like, well, maybe there is something there. Maybe maybe he is using his talent well. You know, it's that's one of the stranger situations just because of all the weird things that have been happening at USC. Right. I just, I just, I don't know. I think Helton has to win at least nine games to retain his job. You know, I just think that's what it really comes down to. I think that's the number. 
And I think anything less than that, he probably won't survive the season. Yeah, and it's crazy to think like 10 years ago, or even 20 years ago, 30 years ago, as as far back as you want to go, winning nine games, that didn't seem like a stretch at USC. Like that's just what they did. They consistently mm-hmm. won. They're consistently competing for national championships, you know? And now under Clay Helton, and I, I mean, it, it, it wasn't great for him at the start. It's not like he inherited a great team, but it's fallen off in a way that USC football is never supposed to fall off. Right. And who else, you know, Stanford has been a big disappointment, you know, uh, getting blowed out by USC. You know, I understand KJ Costello didn't play that game, but getting smashed by USC and then getting throttled by central Florida, you know, it's, it's just, I don't know. I'm surprised from David Shaw. And I think David Shaw's a damn good coach. You know, it's just, I don't know if they're like their schedule just isn't, are they going to be just one of those teams like, you know, that's better at the end of the year than their schedule reveals? You know, I don't know. But so far this season, I mean, they play a pretty tough schedule. You know, like Northwestern's no slouch, you know, and no. playing Central Florida's ranked. And then USC, they were ranked, you know, um, when they played them. So it's, but Stanford has definitely been kind of a disappointment to me. I thought like they will be definitely like one of the teams to try to, you know, make a run at the playoff to, keep the Pac-12 in contention of that but I mean I don't even see them being the favorites in the North Division now no I mean that North Division is going to be tough to win you know we we knew I mean Washington we knew Oregon those two teams for the last few years have been powerhouses they've been the people who are competing but then behind them now you have Washington State and like you said they've played nobodies you have Cal who you know, Cal beat Washington. That's a big win. But outside of them, I mean, what who they beat? Cal Poly? Or no, it was UC right. Davis and yes. uh, and North Texas. Those aren't mm-hmm. great wins. Like, but did they just catch they, Washington on an off day? I don't know, but we will definitely find out a lot about Cal this weekend when they travel to Ole Miss, SEC country. That would tell us a lot about this California team. We will. We'll learn so much. How, how do you think that the North stacks up right now? How would you rank those teams? Um, I will say, number one, I will probably, I will have to give it to Cal, actually. Um, really? Number two, I will have to give it to Washington State just because, you know, they're undefeated. And, I mean, they remain consistent, although they haven't played absolutely nobody. But um, yeah. the next couple weeks will tell us a lot about Washington State also. Three, I got to give it to Washington. Um, since they lost to, you know, um, Cal in week two, a lot, there hasn't been much talk about Washington a little bit, but Chris Peterson, he recruits like a monster. They got a good program going up there, a good system set in place. They're still in a thick of things, you know, and they can definitely still climb back into this Pac-12 North race. You know, um, like I said, Stafford's been a disappointment. Oregon State is still like a year away, you know, still rebuilding. Um, so it kind of is what it is. What's sitting right there, the intriguing team is Oregon, though, you know, um, Oregon still looks solid. They're still ranked, you know. Um, they've been going under the radar since the Auburn loss, but quietly has, you know, put up some pretty good games since then, you know, so definitely don't count them out either. I got them, like, probably at number three, you know. But other than that, I think the, yep. the division, the North division, is actually, like, the best division is better than the South right now, you know, until we find out more as the Pac-12 meat grinder prolongs, you know. But as of yeah. right now, the North division is looking pretty good, actually. Yeah, it it looks good other than the fact that the 
best team in the conference, probably, and Utah is in the South. But behind Utah, just don't know what to expect from any of these teams. You know, is Arizona State the second best team? USC, Colorado, like, we, we kind of just have to wait for it all to shake out to see who everybody is. Right. All right. Um, I think that that's all I've got for you today. Uh, gotcha. As I've said a couple times, uh, check Lynn out at stayaliveandpower5.com. Lots of good Buffs coverage, lots of good college football coverage in general. Hopefully he'll be back around here at some point. And after the break, I'll be back to answer your uh, questions. And I think we got a few comments today. All right. Uh, we are back in for the final segment of today's BSN Buffs podcast. Um, hope you enjoyed that conversation with Lynn. Definitely go check out his stuff. Uh, again, so much respect for him. Uh, the way that he, I mean, he drives around the country, going to media days, football games, covers the team. Um, and puts together some pretty good stuff, so check him out. It's uh, it's always a blast talking to him. Okay, uh, three comments, two of them from Silverbuff, and that's where we're going to start. Uh, Silverbuff says, speaking of basketball, just want to encourage fans to attend some road games. CU plays at uh, CSU, KU, and Dayton in Chicago. I plan on being at all three. That trip to Chicago... Might be a bit of a stretch, but definitely going up to Fort Collins and then going out to check out uh, Kansas. I think Ryan said it's like a seven-hour drive. Uh, worth it to see Colorado in what should be their best season in a long time uh, play Kansas in what should be a pretty average season for Kansas, which means they're a top-five team in the country. Um, I think that's December 7th. Uh, just announced the details today. I want to say it's like a 7 p.m. start. Silver Buff, take me on Twitter. Um, totally agree. Get out to all the games you can. It's going to be a blast this year. Uh, Sunny Rain says, On the issue of starting fast, I'm not buying that having a fast tempo is going to do the trick. Maybe the offense can avoid an immediate three and out that way, but playing fast still requires you to make good blocks, good reads, good runs, and accurate throws. And even if those things are lining up and the offense is moving the ball, the final piece of the puzzle is the play calling. And right now I feel like when we should stick with north and south plays and be physical, we end up calling a cute play at the worst time that kills all of the momentum. These guys just have to believe that they can punch teams in the mouth and go out and play like they seriously mean it. Coach Tucker needs to find his dogs on this team. Those are the guys that get guys ready to hurt something. They bark and bite all day long. They smell blood, and no one's bleeding yet. That fire just isn't there with this team yet. And just like the Broncos, I think there are very few of those type of guys on the roster. Tucker has to find himself some devil dogs. Look out once he does. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree that there is that mentality that you just don't see much of with this team. And that's, that's a problem. You have to find the guys who can be aggressive. And the, there's some... I mean... Mikhail Onu, I think, is an example of a guy who has a little bit of that in him, just getting it out. And with the offense, yeah, I don't, I don't think that going up tempo is going to solve every pop problem they have. But if they're identifying one of the problems as being a little bit slow and lackadaisical when they're making their reads, making their decisions up at the line of scrimmage, then 
I do think that that can light a fire on under them. And, you know, we don't know what's going to work and what is not going to work. Um, that's just the nature of having problems like this that need to be fixed in terms of trying to find something that could fix that slow starting problem. I think going up tempo to start is a good place to start and maybe it fixes a couple things um, and not the rest. It's going to be tough. And, you know, we were talking about that again today at practice. How do you start hot? And Jay Johnson, offensive coordinator was at the podium and he said they aren't going to really change too much. It all comes from having a good week of practice, and he's happy with the practices so far this week. Um, but I asked him, you know, are you going to try to get to the stadium a little bit earlier or something like that? Is there anything tangible that you guys are going to change? And he said, no, we're going to keep doing what we were doing, and we trust the process that Mel has put together, and it's going to be fixed. And it's going to be fixed because we're – working hard in practice and it will pay off. So, I mean, I don't know how I feel about that exactly. Uh, I don't think it's anything that I'm too high on anything. I'm too low on. It would have sounded nice to say we're, we're bringing out the smelling salts before the game, something like that. But, uh, trusting what they've built and saying that's just early in the season, we're still waiting for everything to start clicking the way we think it will. You know, you, you you can't hate on that, but you do have to see that pay off sometime soon. You know, at some point, I mean, how much longer can we go with these slow starts before things start getting ugly? You know, some of the fans are already being pretty loud about how much this frustrates them, which is fair. Be frustrated about it. Um, but also recognize that this is a new coaching staff with new players who are learning a new scheme. And some things take some time. And that's one of them. Another thing that might take some time is fixing the uh, big plays defensively. You you hope that that's something that gets ironed out quickly, but, you know, it is what it is. And you just have to keep improving and keep improving. The quicker you can do it, the better. Um, before we get out of here, there are a couple more things I want to talk about. First is uh, the schedule for Buff Sports this weekend. Uh, there's a lot going on, and it's pretty exciting stuff. Thursday, the uh, Buff soccer team will host Northern Colorado at 4 o'clock at Prentup Field in Boulder. Um, they're giving away a Save the Aliens t-shirt for the first 100 students. No idea what that means, but sounds interesting uh friday the volleyball team is hosting oakland at seven o'clock at the cu event center uh saturday the volleyball team is hosting umbc at 10 a.m and then at 7 30 they host campbell um you may might remember that the puffs play arizona state in football saturday night on the road and at 7.30, actually, it's a road game for Buff Soccer, but they're only at DU. So if if you want to like go check out the volleyball game at 7.30 or the soccer game at DU at 7.30, then just like watch the football game on your phone. Seems like a good plan. Uh, definitely my suggestion. Uh, yeah. Before we get out of here, I want to also plug a story that's on the way. 
Um, don't want to give away too many of the details on the podcast, but just keep an eye out. I had a chance to talk to Mikhail Onu and Sam Neuer today. Awesome, bright guys. And they're actually roommates as well. They live with Jalen Harris, the tight end. And let's see, what 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 do I pull? Here's what I'll tell you guys. Um, Sam's nickname is actually Chef Noyardee, which is pretty great. And you guys can probably figure out in the context of uh, me talking to them about being roommates why that would be. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to get that finished up, get that posted in the next couple days. So be on the lookout. Lots of talk about what it's like making that transition from quarterback to safety and a little bit of help that he's gotten from Mikhail. Uh, I think that's it for today. I'll be back tomorrow for the BSN draft podcast with Andre Simone. And that means I got a lot more football to watch tonight so I can talk about tomorrow. Um, hopefully see all of you then we'll be talking a lot more college football again. Shout out to Lynn Harrington, check out staying alive and power five. And, uh, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Lots of buff content on there too. Um, that's it for today. I'll talk to you guys on Thursday and I guess see you then. I think they like my Colorado sway. Cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. See you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. Oh. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging as the crowd do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hey. 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 you on your own now. Why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. Yeah. And when you playing with you, you can get Colorado 